Yes? No. Sure. Sit. <laughs> We're there, aren't we? Thank you. Thank you. This is great, but I get lost all the time. <laughs> I know it. I do too. Thanks. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to chapter 25 of Genesis. We're going to continue this story after that rabbit trail I took for three weeks. <laughs> and um, uh, I want to do a couple more lessons of what Genesis has to say to us in our time. It's Genesis chapter 25. Um, um, these few verses have an awful lot of power in them. Let's see, them, see what they say. It's about um, a couple characters. As I told you before, you know, if you're looking for um, heroes that do nothing but be heroes, you're not going to find them in Genesis. They will, um, these characters are just like us, human, aren't they? It goes like this. When the boys grew up, Esau became an expert hunter, an outdoorsman. But Jacob was a quiet man who stayed at home. Isaac loved Esau hmm. because he had a great taste for what Isaac did the outside and wild game but Rebecca she loved Jacob once when Jacob was cooking a stew Esau came in from the field exhausted he said to Jacob let me eat some of that red stuff because I'm really exhausted, man. Jacob reply, replied to him, Well, yeah, I'll give you some of my good stew, but first you need to sell me your birthright. Oh, my. Look, look, Esau said, I'm about to die. Now, come on, guys. You know, how famished is this guy? So, I mean, he's a hunter. So what good is a birthright to me right now? Jacob said, Swear it to me first. So he swore to Jacob and sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. Then Jacob gave him the bread and the lentil stew to Esau. He ate, drank, got up, and went away. Now this is the important part that you want to hear. Everything that I'm going to say to you is on this last verse. Verse 34. So Esau despised his birthright. This is the word of God for all of God's people. Well, today I want to share with you um, a, a little thought that we need to choose to be chosen. Choose to be chosen. And it's a, this is a great story that we have here about choosing a birthright. We think that this is just a, a little thing that he gave away. But I want to tell you what, it, it was a huge huge thing going on and you have to read all of chapter 25 chapter 26 chapter 20 you want to read all these things in context and see what God has to say to you because what you hear in here is some strange things um, especially about um, Isaac and um, and Rebecca they were um, they were good folks you know uh, Abraham, Abraham, of course, loved his son Isaac. And um, as he was getting older, and Isaac, uh, 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 um, Je- uh, who is it? Yeah, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> you guys don't do that, do you? 
No, as um, as um, Esau was, uh, was, as Isaac was getting older, Abraham said, "I better get this boy a wife." So he he sent his servants back to his hometown. Can you imagine? Back to his hometown and said, "Okay, you go back there, find me a bride for my son." Okay, <laughs> and he says, "Okay." So you you know when Isaac uh, um, finally uh, got married. When he was 40 years old. So that must have been a long hunt and a long journey. You know, it wasn't... I'm telling you, it's crazy. I'd be sitting at home saying, Dad, where's the servants at? You know? Well, um, Rebecca came and Isaac fell in love with her. And they had that fairy tale wedding and marriage. They had that fairy tale time together. You know, and everything is good. But everything wasn't good. Everything wasn't good at all because they had what? No child. No child. Craziest thing in the world. If you're a Hebrew person at that time, you needed a, not just a child, but a boy. So uh, Isaac did what he usually did. He went to the Lord and prayed and said, Lord, we need a baby. And, and, um, and they prayed. And guess what happened? She got pregnant. She got pregnant. Yeah, it was good. Rebecca got pregnant, and in the midst of that pregnancy, the Lord said to her as the babies were in her womb fighting, she, she was struggling about it, and she was praying, Lord, what's going on inside my body? And he said, don't worry, you got two kids in there. That's what they said to Phyllis Ann. <laughs> they said, don't worry, you're big because you got two kids in there, you know. So, so, and, and, and God not only told her that, but he said, the firstborn will not be the one in charge. The secondborn will be. And so they were born, and, 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 and these two rascals coming out, coming out of uh, this woman, <laughs> um, struggled even then. And Jacob come out first, and... and and um, or I mean Esau come out first and then, and then um, Jacob come out holding on to his heel and I guess it, Esau came out and he was a hairy little boy red as could be and that's why they called him Esau and Jacob Jacob means literally nothing more than holding on if you really want to get it, it means the big deceiver and that was his name for sure wasn't it it's a great story about the birthright, and we'll talk about that um, as, fast, as much as we can. My friends, I want to tell you, these stories in God's Word are not about squeaky clean people. They're people that have struggles just like you and I. People who make choices, who, who do things um, sometimes in the wrong way and, in the, and, and uh, against what we know God wants us to do. We're not any different than these folks in these stories. I think that's why it's so important for us. We make decisions. And some of our decisions make all the difference in the world in our life, don't they? You can look back over and see the decisions that were good, maybe, in God's plan. And then you can see a lot of decisions that weren't, eh? Amen? I rem- Do you know the story of um, Ronald Wayne? You guys probably don't even know that name, do you? you? Some of us older people would remember it. 
Ronald Wayne, Wayne was uh, around in 1976, and he had 10% interest in a brand new company. 10% interest. And he thought about it and thought about it, and he said, geez, I better get out of this thing right now or it's going to come back and it's going to cost me a lot of money. So he was, he was thinking about the future, but he was thinking about right there in the present that this is not a good thing to do. So he sold his 10% in 1976 for $800. And one of the great things that Ronald Wayne did was he's the one that set up the logo. He set up the logo for Apple Corporation. He sold his 10%. (laughs) You know the two boys. He sold his 10% to those two boys. And um, I think right now that 10% is somewhere around $90 billion. That 10% is worth 90 B billion. And he sold it for $800. Not a good decision, is it? I'm not talking about money being the important thing. I'm talking about the decision-making process. He made a decision to change the rest of his life dearly. And um, I don't know about you, but I hope he did something really good with the $800. (laughs) What I'm going to say to you today, I think, is we need to learn to, to choose wisely. Now think about that. We need to learn to choose wisely. And I think that goes without saying, but, but there's problems with us choosing. And I think we hear it from the story of Jacob and Esau, of Isaac and Rebekah. You know, they, all of them have their problems. It's the big soap opera. Uh, it could be the days of... of um, of Genesis or something, you know, Days of Our Lives. Anybody ever watch the Days of Our Lives? I was on a bus one time with a bunch of kids, and they were sitting behind me. I was driving, and they were sitting behind me, and they were talking about this girl dying. What's the main character? Do you guys, anybody know her name? I don't know neither. I can't remember it. But anyways, they kept talking to her about her dying. So when we stopped, I said, hey, does this woman live in town? Should we go see her? And they look at me like, Pastor, you're an idiot. This is a soap opera we're talking about. You know, I said, okay, never mind. Never mind. Let me give you three things that I think we need to, to ponder to gain from this um, part of our lives that's so important, these decision makings. Here's the, here's the first one. We need to choose, choose. When we make cho- choices, we need to choose like it really is our responsibility. Do you, do you all understand that? Now, you have to read this story to understand what that means. Um, we need to choose like it's our responsibility because, in fact, it is our responsibility. And the reason I bring that up is because of this story, because this story, God seems to be in control of everything. God's the one that says, hey, you're going to have two kids. One of them that you think is, should be the person in charge isn't going to be. Another person, the other, the second born is going to be the one that's going to gain everything. And, and, and guess what happens? That exactly happens. She has two boys. And the first boy loses everything. Once you, once you see what happens to him, he loses everything. Well, he doesn't lose everything. He becomes a great leader. But boy, I want to tell you what he gained was nothing compared to what he lost. $800 compared to $90 billion. Same thing with these two. 
it brings up that that whole that whole conundrum that we fight with all the time. Do we really have free will or does God know everything that's going on? Does God know everything that's happening and there's nothing we can do about it? We, you were destined to be here today. There's no way you could have done anything else about it. You had to be here. Right? That's the problem with predestination and free, free will. Um, it, it's a difficult thing for us to deal with. Uh, minds much sharper than mine have, have talked about it. But I think in the midst of everything, God, God gives us this free will. He gives us the choice to do do you want me to tell you what God's desire for all of humankind? It's, it's a basic thought, friends. His desire is that all would come to know him as Lord and Savior. That's, that's his desire. That's what he wants from us. He gave his son to die for us so that we could have a way to choose to come into that relationship. He doesn't force us to do that. He doesn't make us do that. The choice is really our responsibility. It's literally September the 13th. It's been 50 years since I made that choice. 12.30 at night, I, I didn't know any different. I just said, I don't know if there's a God or not. I don't know if there's a Jesus or not. I don't know if anything, but I'm going to die here in a few days, and I'd at least like to die knowing that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And that's all I said. It wasn't a big theological dissertation. I just said, okay, let me choose to be chosen. Because uh, whether we want to understand it or not, all of creation... All of humanity is chosen. God has chosen you and I to be his child. And we have the chance to give up that birthright or accept it. It's our responsibility. I am I'm convinced, I guess this way, in saying that I think God knows in advance everything that's going to happen. I, I, I believe that. But I don't believe he decides in advance who does what. Because I have a hard time with some of the destruction in this world that God says, okay, this is what you're going to do. I just don't believe that's the God I, I worship and pray pray to. I, I think I'm, I'm with the God who says in Romans chapter 1, okay, go ahead and do what you want to do. It's your choice. God looked at Abraham and, and uh, Moses and many of the prophets of that day and said I have set before you life I've chosen to give you life now what you need to do is choose to be chosen he says that in Deuteronomy if you want to look at it Deuteronomy chapter 30 do you ever uh, know that famous author do you ever read anything from him it's, he's really famous anonymous you ever read it he's, he said he said, he said, your life is a result of choices that you make. And if you don't like your life, start making better choices. It's up to us. It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to choose, my friends. Amen?
Let me give you the second one. Choose, I think we need to choose like the outcome has yet been determined, is yet undetermined. We can't make a decision thinking, okay, I'm going to make this decision because God has already put it in place. You know, if you're a real Calvinist, if you're a real predestined person, um, um, like some really strong Presbyterians that I know, <clears throat> this one friend of mine was walking through his house and, and he fell down some steps. Now, everything in his life is predestined. And he fell down to some steps and he, he got up and he looked at me and he said, boy, I'm glad that's over. Because he had no choice but to fall down those steps. You all with me? Well, if we take life that way, if we make our decision saying it doesn't matter, I think that's what we see in Esau. Esau made this decision saying it doesn't matter. Because after all, I'm the firstborn. And if I sell my birthright, it doesn't really matter because Jacob isn't going to get it. I'm the firstborn. It's already been put in place. Now, now listen, friends. When, when, when in chapter 3, 25, verse 34, when he says it despised his birthright, you, you just can't imagine what that means. Being the firstborn, being the, the one on top, says that you get two-thirds of everything. So there's two boys, two boys, and uh, uh, Isaac's uh, inheritance gets split three ways. And, and the oldest boy gets two-thirds of it, gets those two, two of those thirds. And the younger person makes out great, don't they? The, young, the second in line makes out great. They get a lot, but not near as much as the uh, double. The first, person, the first boy Esau was going to get double of everything. That's what he gave up, friends. That's what he gave up. And then things don't turn out good. You know, his birthright is gone. They trick everything. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, that, that trickster, Jacob, tricks his dad into thinking he's Esau. And once, Esau get, or once uh, Isaac gives the blessing, there's no taking back. See, things aren't... <laughs> Things aren't like we think we, we, we ought, to, ought to be thinking. We, we kid ourselves thinking that anything we do today doesn't really matter about tomorrow. Did you hear that? That's what Esau was doing. He was kidding himself. We kid ourselves. We kid ourselves into saying that, that uh, I'm immune to any consequences that's going to happen. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or what bad choices we do to catch up to us. I, I had a dear friend in this, in this uh, nice town, much like LaGrange, and she was probably one of the oldest people in the town, and she was uh, quite a character and um, quite wealthy. And her daughter lived in Utah. And her daughter, the only child, she would come. She would come once a year in the summertime to spend with her mom just a few days. She wouldn't stay very long because she couldn't stand it in that little town. She was a big-time lawyer doing all this big stuff, you know, and, and she was a character herself. But, but um, she came one year, one summer, and when she went home, she called up the nursing home in, in um, Brewster, the next town over. And, uh, and she called them up and she said, go get my mom and bring her over and put her in the, the nursing home. 
and didn't talk to her mom about it. Didn't talk to anybody else about it. She just made this decision on her own that her mom needed to be institutionalized. That was on, on um, Sunday afternoon late that they went over and got her. Monday morning, I knew everybody at the nursing home really well. They called me up and they said, please come over here and get her out of here. So I went over and I opened up the front door to go into the nursing station and then it went off into the different places. When I opened the door, I could hear her screaming, where is that pastor? (laughs) And so I went over and I went and talked to her and she said, you get me out of here right now. I said, uh, we've got problems. I said, yes, I see that. And the nurse was, oh, please, please take her. So I said, are you sure you want to go home? She says, get me out of here right now. So I took her home. On the way home, seven miles, on the way home, she said to me, as soon as we get home, I want you to call my lawyer. This woman was in the millions. For us, that's pretty rich today. And this old woman was in the millions. And she, I said, well, you, what do you want me to do with your lawyer? She said, she's out of the will. One phone call. One phone call, one decision that she made because she thought her mom needed what she wanted. One phone call changed her whole <laughs> destiny. Uh, $800. I'll sell you my 10% for 800 They should have put a clause in there, but... <laughs> she also said to me, she said, I need you to call somebody and get them to come and stay with me. I need someone to live with me. And I said to her, I said, you know who I'm going to say. And she said, that's okay, you call her. So I called this woman who had been abused by her husband for generations, for years, for time, ever since I've known him and time before that. And I called her and and she was trying to make a life of her own. And I said, can you and the two kids move in? And she, she went and stayed with that woman for 10 years. It was a little over 10 years. And when she died... Guess where the money went? (laughs) Guess where the house went? (laughs) Praise God. All over choices. One choice. I'm not saying that we shouldn't weigh our choices. That's not it. But what I am saying is we shouldn't make them lightly. Uh, Each one of us, uh, my friends, are on a path to somewhere. And we need to make sure that our choices are taking us where we want to go. I know you could spend the rest of this time and more. We could spend the rest of the afternoon talking about the choices in our lives that we've made. You know? That we're good, that got us where we want to go, but we could also share the ones that didn't make that. Let me give you a third one real quick. Uh, we need to make choices that are are according to what matters most in in life. Um, What what Esau did was um, something on the spur of the moment, wasn't it? I'm hungry. You want my birthright? Take it. I don't stinking care because I know I'm going to keep it. But it didn't happen that way. Ronald Wayne probably regrets every day of his life. I don't know if he's still alive or not, but regrets that uh, $800. Gosh, I hope he took his wife out. (laughs) It's easy to find fault with these folks and with Esau and with Jacob. But what about our own uh, moment interests, you know? 
they're based on what matters most right now we make these decisions they're based on that temporary panic of something needs to happen they're based on short-term priorities and not long-term consequences when it comes to decision-making we need to ask ourselves all the time is this a decision that's going to affect me right now or is it going to affect me for long term and if we have those ones that are long term um, we need to really pray about them I, I think part of our problem is we make decisions in our lives today with our mind instead of with our heart our mind will never get us on the right course so you need to know that I always say to everybody, everybody that, that are going through uh, trials and, and um, trying to make decisions that are right, I say, well, quit worrying about it in your head and make sure your heart's okay with it. Once your heart's okay with it, I think that no matter what happens, it's all right because where's your heart at with God? And he's saying, in our minds, you know, it's a terrible fight. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, he says, set your minds where your heart should be on things that are above not on things of this earth amen my goodness um, we need to stay focused and I thought about this just real quick I thought about this as, as in this day and age when um, every time you turn around some, some older person mostly well not always I know of a young lady that's been taken several times but um, on these phone calls you know that you got to do this or this, you know, somebody calls up and says, hey, did you know Pastor Floyd's in England and he's in jail and he needs money? Do you all get, ever get a call like that, you know? Some friend needs something. Here's some never do things when you're having to make decisions. Never make a decision when you're hungry. Amen? The worst thing to do is to go to Giant Eagle when you're starving. Because guess what, Esau? You come out with a bunch of stuff you didn't want, you know, but you're hungry. <laughs> Never make a, a, a decision when you're pressure, pressured to do it. You've got to do it right now. You've got to get down to the bank and get to that ATM, take out the money and send it to this address right now. Give me, never mind, forget that. Just give me your Social Security number. Give me your bank account number. Let me give you a third one. <laughs> never make a decision when you're hungry. Never make a decision when you're pressured. And never make a decision without getting some outside help. Did you all hear that? Go to somebody you trust dearly before you make any of those decisions. I'm talking about crazy stuff, but powerful stuff. Because God has said, God has said to you and I, I have chosen you. I have chosen you. I have given my own son to die for you. Every one of us. Now, he said, I, I, I think, I got to tell you, I think I had all the total freedom to accept that gift or not. I have to believe that. I didn't have to say that 50 years ago. I didn't have to say that. I, I could have I done exactly what would have happened 
the doctors had given me about six months, and I was, I was in the two months of that six months already, so I was probably dying quickly when Phyllis Ann met this gray ashen person with long, ugly hair that had stuff living in it. I could have, I could have not done what I did. I had all the free choice in the world. But here's what I want you to, to know. I had made some terrible decisions up to that time, and nothing was good. So I chose at that point to be chosen. I chose that. Not because of what I did, but because of what he did. Amen? That's the key, friends. That's what this is all about. And in verse 34, don't despise your birthright. You know what your birthright is? To be chosen. To be chosen. Choose, my friends, today to be chosen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for choosing us. We're grateful that you have done that in our lives. And you've set it out there for us to choose to accept it. And if we haven't done that this morning, help us to do it. Help us just to calm our hearts and say, Okay, Lord, I've been trying my way and it hasn't been turning out that way. So I'm going to try your way. I'm going to choose to be chosen today. And I accept, accept your gift of your son for my life, for my sin. I humbly thank you for that gift. Now I'm going to try my best to live my life your way. If nothing else, the first thing I'll do is love. Teach us, Lord. Teach us that our choices have consequences. Teach us to choose to be chosen today. Humbly we pray this in your son's holy name today. And all of God's children said, Amen. Praise